0: Hello and welcome to another live edition of the Forty Athletes Live podcast. Here with uh, my my name is Jason Holzer, along with Jimmy Huber. Jimmy, how's it going today, man?
1: It's going great. Yourself, Jason? Great to yeah. see you.
0: Hey, you know, school is about ready to get out. Um, you know, it's the uh, it, it's middle of May, um, and typically you would think, hey, you know, this isn't basketball season, right? So, no, normally basketball coaches are pretty easy to get on, but uh, our guest today is actually in the middle of his season with all the craziness going on, and he still found the time to come with us today um and so you know he's the host of the beyond buckets podcast uh girls varsity basketball coach and the director of basketball operations at valley christian in uh, california um and he's founder of top flight basketball which you saw some of his stuff it's very similar to what we're trying to teach here at 40 athletes
1: yeah i mean and, and like i said basketball is like it never stops right so i mean <laughs> it's not going to stop today and you got somebody out of excited bags if i can talk some basketball too We're talking about some other stuff. I'm pumped up, ready to go.
0: So let's get them on and let's flow this thing. So, yeah, the Beyond Buckets host, Chris McSwain. (laughs) Chris, how are you
2: doing today, man? Man, I don't, I don't deserve that in- introduction, but I'll pay you guys later for it. But uh, appreciate you guys having me on the show. Love what you guys are doing with 4D athletes. Um, you know, we've we've kind of did a trial run with our with our players, and they've really enjoyed the stuff that you guys have been putting out. Uh, Jason, you are a funny, funny guy, uh, and Jimmy, you know, you put you, you do some really great things. So I'm excited to be on, and uh, thank you, thank you for having me.
0: Well, let's go ahead and dive right in, Chris. You know, as I've gotten to know you, we are very similar and we believe that teaching life skills is, is, is part of a uh, part of sports. And and we talked about that and as I was a guest on your podcast, the Beyond Buckets podcast. So why are we so passionate and why are you so passionate about teaching these life skills first? Basketball second. Getting back to that John Wooden approach
2: for sure. Well, your episode will be dropping this Monday, by the way, so uh, hey. it's, it's perfect timing. Um, and Jimmy, we got to get you on too. Uh, that's I'm that's, to that's, it. That, that's something that Jason mentioned, and uh, we definitely got to set that up. But um, as you know, as far as teaching life lessons through basketball, it um, it just stems from when I was a young child and uh, growing up. Sports was the only thing that ignited me. I really had no interest in school other than getting. Good enough grades to be be able to play on the court or the field, and uh, you know my mom would take sports away from me if I wasn't able to get the grades that uh, that she wanted a satisfactory grade. Um, and I was pretty much a, a, B, a B student in high school. And, and when I got to college, the the, flip, uh, the switch really flipped and I started to uh, get on the dean's list. And I was on the dean's list every, every semester of when I got into college. But it really started at a young age. Uh, I had some really great coaches that you know, taught me how to, to be, a, be a young man. My dad wasn't in my life uh, for the majority of it, and uh, some of these these men and women were, were great uh, parental figures for me, and, and that's really the reason why I do what I do now is because hopefully I can ignite some of these these kids that we have in our program or that you coach, and they will eventually become better people because they were involved uh, with your program, and, and that's really the, the, the gist of it.
1: How do you, hey Chris, how do you go? Like when you hear coach, the times I hear him like, you know, I don't have enough time, you know, enough practice time, enough time, you know, during the week to really do outside basketball stuff, to maybe teach these life skills, or I don't know what to do. What do you tell them? Like maybe how they can do it and still find the time and how they can go about, you know, ways they can instill the life skills. Give me a packful for the, you know, athletes are working with.
2: Yeah. Um, That's a great question, and Corey Close, the women's basketball coach at UCLA, talks about this a lot. You know, all these coaches talk about their teams aren't mentally tough. They're, um, you know, they're soft or whatever the whatever the case may be. And if you don't put time and effort into those areas, well, they're always going to be that. And, you know, and it's rare that you have kids that are able to come in and step in and know what leadership is all about. And similar to what you guys are doing, you make the time. And the best thing that you guys have done is it doesn't have to be a long drawn out thing you can make it in short periods of time clips um, three minute segments where you can actually over a long period of time like a, a full season if you're doing these micro uh, you know progressions every single day well you look at the end of the season and if you got this big portfolio of you know things that you've inputted and then the output hopefully is going to be a lot better so you know you make the time for whatever it is that you want to that you want to accomplish and so when people say that they don't have time it's not that they don't have time they just don't want to put the effort involved in to making that a priority at that very moment you know uh, i can say i don't have time to take my kids to school i make time you know and and that's what what people need to understand is whatever you want to do you got to make time for it. if you if you really emphasize it then it's going to get done and uh you know, that's that's the way I approach things. And um, I, I, I love the fact that you guys do it the same way because there is enough time if you make the time.
0: Well, and, uh, you know, you go back to this, too. Like, it's, it's kind of how we teach the physical skills, right? If we teach the life skills like the physical skills, you know, your jumper's not going to get any better if you don't work on it. Right. So same with these life skills. You're not going to get any tougher unless you work on it. So that's a good point there, Chris, of like, you know, that's what we think. You know, if you teach a little bit every day to get one percent better over time. You know, you're going to be tougher. You're going to be more mentally strong. And therefore, it's going to transition over to your physical skills as well. Wouldn't you agree?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, we always train the physical and that's what we've been taught for so long. But as you start to get smarter and as as our world starts to evolve, you use the different technologies available to help you. Um, you can either use it to benefit you or it can hinder you. Uh, and we choose to, to make it benefit us. And however we can like Zoom, Zoom calls, for instance, or, you know, StreamYard, which we're on right now, uh, you know, now instead of doing this stuff like after practice, maybe you put together a ten-minute thing. Hey, we're going to jump on Zoom for ten minutes uh, this evening after practice has been over. You guys have done your homework. You guys have eaten dinner, and then it would be the last thing that they do right before they get to bed, go to bed, or something like that. And so, just just utilizing the time management. Um, in all walks of life, if you don't have time management, you're, you're going to be in chaos always. And, and, and chaos is, is really never good for sports teams or business people or even families.
1: Hey, Chris, I, you know, being a coach and going to like coaching clinics and being around, we're always trying to find like answers or yep. the new solutions or how can we be you know successful as a coach? And always looked at like the ones that are winning coaches, people look to them and trying to find the advice. You know, you look at yourself, you're like the winningest coach in what's in Valley Christians, right? History. Correct. Mm -hmm. So if I ask you this, I'm like, what would you say some of the key things you've done as a coach that has allowed you to be that successful in that school? What would those things be? And you suggest other coaches do it as well.
2: Yeah, I think the first thing is going to be, well, one of the things that we came in and when we came into the program, uh, we wanted to treat it with care. Uh, And the acronym basically is the C stands for consistency. So, you know, I didn't want to come in and just stop, you know, after a couple years. I wanted to be consistent. And uh, this is the end of our eighth year there. But if you're not consistent, consistent in any walk of life you're never going to be successful so that was the first and foremost thing we wanted to be consistent if people are in and out uh and sometimes they're 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 playing well or not playing well like the best players have always remained consistent over a long period of time so that would that would be the first thing the second one is the a which is attitude or you know if you choose when you walk in a room, what type of attitude you're going to be in. You know, you guys came on with a great attitude and it ignited me to, to, to bring that same energy. Um, if you have a bad attitude, it rubs off on the entire group. And so you got to make sure that you, you, your approach slash your attitude is, is remaining consistent. Um, so those two things are, are, are very important. Um, and then the R is going to be respect. You've got to have respect for yourself. You've got to have respect for others, your teammates, everybody that plays a part in, in this journey that we're all taking. And if you aren't going to, to be able to, to respect that process, um, you know, and not put in the work, then you're not going to reach your goals. And then the last thing is gonna be two things, energy slash effort. You bring those two things in any any walk of life, you're gonna be more successful. The people that have great energy, the people that bring enthusiasm to what they do, uh, they're better salespeople, they're better husbands and, and wives, they're better friends, they're better mentors. Um, and, and that's just the price of admission. If you don't wanna bring energy and effort, then, you know, you shouldn't be involved in that activity because at the end of the day, that's really all we have. Um, and that's one things that we can control and all those things we can really control. And uh, I think that's, that's really helped us over the years. And we've had great assistant coaches, um, great administration, which I think, Jason, you just met with uh, uh, last week. And, you know, it just takes a, a collective group to, to really care about the entire program.
1: Well, I love the care, and I love when you talk about attitude, respect, and the effort part of it, right? And the thing you mentioned first was consistency. And I think the hardest thing in life and working with athletes is going to be consistent. So what are some of the strategies that you get your athletes to be consistent on a daily basis in what they're doing?
2: I would say the preparation. You know, I prepare for our practices the night before, so after our practice. Uh, we typically practice in the mornings because get them up and out and then they have the rest of their afternoons, which, which makes it easier on them to do homework and things like that, or do extra workouts. So, um, you know, prepare, we tell them if we have 6.30 a.m. practice, then you have to make sure that you have all your stuff laid out for the morning. Okay? you got your practice shirts, you got your shoes, you got your you know, stuff for school. Uh, all of that needs to be in alignment. And so if you start to prepare, just like we prepare for our opponents, whether it be scatter ports or things like that, you're preparing yourself for success. It doesn't mean that you're going to have success, and that's okay um, if you fall short. Other teams sometimes might just be better. Um, and hopefully the preparation that you put in over time is going to outweigh any of the opponents that you might have. But nobody's been undefeated uh, their entire career. Some teams go undefeated for a while, but uh, eventually your time is going to come. So just really preparing is going to be the best thing um, for us in basketball, as well as you know, whether it be business or being a being a parent, like we prepare our our children's meals the night before, so we don't have to do extra stuff in the morning. So we're ready to go. Boom! It's already ready to go. We pack the car and we get them out. Um, so preparation is is really the key. You
0: know, Chris, uh, you mentioned at the end of like one one of the things I really value about yourself is that you really value your family, being a great husband, being a great dad. Um, and tell us why you take that so seriously, and why that's so important to you Why is family and being a great dad such an important thing for you personally?
2: yeah well, I didn't want to go down this route, but uh since we're here you know my 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 mom was my mom and my dad uh for the the better part of my life they they split up around eight and my dad was in and out intermittently over the over the next you know thirty years and i'm thirty eight now um and i I probably And well, he hasn't even seen his grandchildren. So for me, I was never going to be that father that was not going to be there. Uh, And that that basically taught me what I didn't want for my children and, uh, you know, my wife. And that's the real reason why I want to be a great father. I don't want to be a good father. I don't want to just be present. You know, I am coaching other kids but I bring my kids around you know when we won our CCS championship my son was right in the, he, and he was a little boy he was two months old but he was in that he was in that team picture um, I want him to know I want my daughter to know that we care about them we do care about others as well but uh, they come first first and foremost and, and we bring them around just like la- this last weekend I coached eight games I brought my son out there with me um, to the games, we drove all the way to Bakersfield, which is about four hours away from from the bay area, and uh, we hung out we had dinner, he hung out with me and my assistant coaches he sat with me on the bench. I want him to know that I care um, and that 's the most important thing uh, my family is is the most important thing that uh, that i have and i cherish them every day and i don't want to i don't want to miss opportunities so if there's any opportunity that i can make sure that they are engulfed in this process as well um i make sure to do that and the real reason why it's important is because i didn't have it as a as a child and my mom had to make up for uh, the areas in which my father wasn't present
1: what are you know you, you bring up something that I want to kind of dive into, you know, there's broken families and there's a lot of athletes that we're working with that maybe doesn't have a dad or maybe I have one that I'm coaching right after the mother's not really involved in the life. Yeah. What are suggestions you can give the coaches of, you know, how to be, you know, that father, that mother figure for that individual, things they can do, things they can say, things they can make an impact and help them out when they're maybe going through some challenging times at home?
2: Yeah. um... Yeah. Coaches always say I have an open door policy, but rarely do kids want to just come in and talk to the coach, um, or at least that—that's been my experience. However, what I've seen, and I've—I've I've learned this from you know coaches that I've been on their staff or coaches that I've been around, creating long-standing relationships is is the only way for them to open up to you because they got to trust you and if i don't trust you i'm not gonna i'm not gonna share these secrets with you and and kids being vulnerable is very is very different than adults being vulnerable because i would never share this you know when i was even in my 20s right um but i think if you create that relationship with these young people they will be more open to talking to you about that, and just understanding that this is the person that you are, and you're open to hearing whatever it is that they have going on. So, if you don't establish that relationship early on, uh, or at all, it's not go- you're not going to really help them with these situations because they're not going to trust you in these situations. Um, so, you know what we've done is we'll take a groups. Uh, me and my staff will take groups of the, uh, of the kids out uh, for dinner. Obviously, this is pre-COVID, so we'll just sit and just talk to them. We won't talk about anything about basketball. We'll just talk about their life and, you know, how school is going, how's the parent dynamics, all these things. And then you start to get into these conversations and then you share with them, you know, I'll share with them my stories of not having uh, a father for the majority of my life. Um, And they're like, wow, we didn't know that because they they only see you as a coach a lot of the times. And you've got to break down these barriers. Uh, And the one way to do that is open up and be vulnerable with them so they can ultimately be vulnerable with you.
1: Do you think when you hear, sometimes I hear coaches like, you know, I can't relate to these kids nowadays and um, I'm so much in this generation or I'm like 56 years old. Um, Is it just like I try to tell sometimes and maybe you have better advice than this, but like be you, be yourself. Don't try to be somebody different because they'll, they'll catch on whether you're being kind of a fraud or whatever. Um, And just like have a conversation like you're talking to a normal person like you're talking to your own children or whatever it is. What do you say to some of these individuals say I can't relate to this new generation and with what's going on.
2: What do you say to them on that. You gotta learn and you gotta grow. I mean, if if you're not learning and growing, the the world is changing drastically. I remember my mom had this flip phone forever, and then we went over to Verizon, and they said, "Hey, um, this is going out. There's not going to be any options for you anymore." Uh, so she had to get an iPhone, and she dreaded it. Fast forward a few years later, she's in love with the iPhone. She can do so much with it because she was. She just opened her mind a little bit to find out something that was different. And everybody has to be authentic. If you're faking it, you know, you can easily tell the people that are faking um, and that are phony and you don't ever want to be that way. But I would just say, take the time to understand what these kids are going through. Like if I don't, I don't like a whole bunch of social media. I barely go on it, but I had to get on TikTok to see what the rage was. I have to see what the, what these kids are doing and what they're going through. Um, what is Snapchat asking him, you know, w- w- why do you guys enjoy that? What's, you know, what's, what's uh, intriguing about that? And, you know, I can be rigid and be like, well, I don't know why you guys are doing that. But at the end of the day, the world is going to keep on progressing and moving. And if we don't as as educators, as coaches, um, as parents figure out why they're ignited by this, then we're going to be stuck behind and we're going to have this gap in between us that we don't understand. We're still not going to understand. But if you can bring yourself to learn a little bit more about why they're doing this instead of just they're doing it, uh, then you can be a little bit more open to that. So I would just say for anybody that is, um, you know, looking to relinquish, um, or not, I guess the word isn't really relinquished, but just not really open to that. Just open your mind and see what happens and you'll end up hopefully like my mom and uh, the iPhone will be the best thing that has happened to you. <laughs>
1: how, how do you, one thing I wanna ask you is this, like this year we've, uh, there's been challenging times. Yeah. Um, there's been like social injustice. Uh, mm-hmm. There's been a, a lot of topics and a lot of people have different perspectives, right? Um, have different beliefs and when you have a team you have a makeup of people that might maybe think differently they all might have different beliefs on what they would agree upon how, how do you go about having conversations tough conversations with your teams yep. about some of these issues and get them to where we can come together and to unite on this instead of being divided
2: sure i i think love is the is the key to to most most anything like, if, OK, if we if we start and we try to reverse engineer it, well, uh, should we care about everybody? Yeah, of course we should. Should we love thy neighbor? Yeah, of course we should. Um, so when you look at it that way, all these other things don't really matter, you know. And so um, what we've tried to do is just have an open heart and an open mind. We can disagree. Like, it's OK to disagree. We don't have to have the same. Uh, we don't have to have the same viewpoint on everything. But at the end of the day, all right, where, where do we want to get to and how are we going to get there? If you get there this way and I get there this way, we're still reaching the same goal. But you have to have an open heart and open mind. You talked about the social justice. Um, you know, early on or well, last May, probably about a year ago, right, right around now. I put together this podcast with me and my assistant coach on what it means to be black in America. And uh, my family listened to it. We're in an interracial, um, you know, relationship and our our, our children are biracial as well. Um, And my uh, my parents in law, they had no clue about some of the things that I had gone through in my life just because I was black. So we sat and we had a real conversation about uh, it was about Memorial Day weekend. Um, my father-in-law he said, "Yeah, we need to we need to have a real real chat." And he didn't understand a bunch of the stuff that I had went through. But we had an open heart and an open mind, and I didn't understand some of the things that he may have he he may have had preconceived notions about, um, in whether it be uh, politics, whether it be about race, whether it be social inequalities on any level. Um, you just have to have an open heart and open mind. If you do that, then you can remove some of the emotion, and it's okay if you disagree. That's where people I think get it uh, you know get it tangled up a little bit is just like the clothes that we're wearing, we can change them, and just like I can change my opinion. Um, a Badmiss, who played at Bucknell, I just had him on the uh, on on my podcast. He talked about when the facts change. So will my mind, uh, and so when the information changes, my mind changes as well so if you if you present information, you could possibly change somebody's mind, just like we change our outfits, so I think that's what we've tried to do and and this is just this is just my personal, uh, you know, feelings on it. It doesn't mean that it's going to work for everybody, but open heart and open mind is is what we've used in our program as well as our interpersonal relationships, to to seek the ultimate goal, which is you know caring for one another and, and making sure um, everybody's well being is is being served the best way.
0: Uh, and Chris, you know, it's it's great to hear that you had a father in law that was so open minded, so open hearted to hear your side of the story you know, how do we, what what would be the first step you would suggest to, to have people have a more open mind? And again, you mentioned, it's not mean you have to agree with everything, but at least like be open to hearing their perspective and walking in their shoes, because I think then whenever you have a better understanding of, you know, their experience, it helps build empathy. So what would you suggest be the first step to having a little bit more of an open mind and open ears?
2: Yeah. Well, my undergrad is in psychology, and they talk about Piaget's theory, where you can see one thing from one side, uh, and then somebody somebody else can see it from the other side. And, you know, that's where I think there is a, mis, a misdirection. People only see it with blinders on, but you have to try to take a look at it from the other person's perspective, and that's what I've always tried to do is – You know, why is this person seeing it this way? Okay, well, I can see I can see that. But most people don't want to go that direction. They only want to know what they know. And they don't want to uh, seek out other people's perspective and getting to know why they feel that way. You know, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, it doesn't really matter. But why do you see it that way? Oh, OK, well, maybe their views actually are pretty much similar to mine, but, uh, you know, they're just tied to this party or, or, or what have you. And so, you know, when you're tied to something, it makes it difficult to to remove yourself from it. Um, but like I just mentioned, like when the facts change, then maybe our minds start to change. Um, and if you really search for more information, like seeing the other side of it, then it could potentially change your mind and then you can be more empathetic, like you mentioned to somebody else's situation or scenario. Well,
1: and I think it goes back to people who realize like we're so conditioned at young ages, you know, kind of like our conscious mind is not even relevant by the time it's almost, you know, six, five to seven where kids start asking why daddy, why mommy? Mm -hmm. So our, our subconscious mind is wide open. So everything that's being said, done, the emotions, everything around us, is being conditioned then us, the subconscious mind controls everything, right? Absolutely. So we get to a certain age that these belief systems almost formed by the age of almost eight. That right. we have a lot of these. And I think we have to step step back and we have to think like, are they are these are these beliefs valuable? Right. Are they not? Are they something that's empowering me in the direction I want to go? Are they helping others? And if not, can I reflect and look at it and change? You know, what what could be a different belief that can empower me to do the things in my life, not only for myself, but for others? Like we have to we sometimes get so fixed on if you see that, Chris, like in so beliefs that we're mm-hmm. so like we don't want to be wrong. We, we got to be right. And then we yeah. almost like fight instead. say, be like, oh, let's let's have a conversation. Let's open up. Let's yeah. discuss what how you see it, how I see it. And I might not agree totally. That's OK. But yeah. at least I can understand where you're coming from.
2: Right. Yeah. And you're having an open heart and an open mind. Um, I mean, think of it like this, sports teams. Why do we hate the, uh, like, I'm a Warriors fan. and There's a big game tonight uh, versus the Lakers, but I don't hate the Lakers. Like, why would I hate the Lakers if they beat, if they beat the team that I cheer for? Or why would I hate LeBron? LeBron has been fantastic his entire career. Um, I'm not wishing bad. I would prefer that the team that i root for win but so many people are tribal uh well we are tribal as as human beings um and like you said you we're just so we're so stuck to our beliefs and our system that we don't want to look at something else but um you know that's uh you know that's that's always been a dilemma we've always been tribal we've always been stuck to our beliefs um but hopefully you know conversations like this and and conversations um that we have in our own circles will help change some of this and um, people will be more understanding and empathetic. And if, like you said, Jason, if we, if we're more empathetic to to people in their situations, we're, we're going to be, be much better as people for it.
1: Hey, Chris, I do want to dive into something. You just brought us the Golden State Warriors and you brought up the Splash Brothers. And I know the one, the Clay Thompson isn't playing, so it's all Splash, one Splash right now. Yeah, Steph Curry's splashing it. Yes, now, I know is. you're a part of something called the Splash Lab, right?
2: <laughs> okay.
1: And I've seen some of your stuff in the Splash Lab, and you focus a lot on Curry and things like that on it. Now, yeah. I don't want to get into basketball specific, right, the fundamentals of shooting. But what I want you to help me with is what you see in Steph Curry that you teach the athletes you work with on having this mindset on the court being able to be locked in and focused and being confident and not losing that confidence. Even if they, you know, go one and eight from the field, they know the next shot's going in.
2: Right. Well, it's going to be the work ethic and the preparation uh, to our earlier topic. Steph has put in thousands of hours and thousands of reps, maybe even millions um, because, you can't get that confident if you haven't put in the work. Like, I don't think anybody's outworking him. He's done it for so long and so consistent, and that's the difference. Like, for anybody that wants to be elite at something, not just good, not just great, but elite. He is the elite of the elite. All the best shooters, he is better He is better than. Um, and then to have a handle with it. He's really he's he's been a vanguard to what basketball is, um, and in some ways he does a disservice because they think the kids think it's easy. You know he's he's the average height in the NBA is six foot seven. He's six foot three, which is still taller than the average human being, but. Kids can identify with Steph because he doesn't look like LeBron. LeBron is a, is, a, is is basically a super action figure, uh, and Steph yeah. is just like the, the regular guy that you might see, but they don't see the unseen hours that he's put in to be where he is. And so that's the one thing that we try to tell with Splash Lab is we say stay in the lab. That's kind of our thing. If you stay in there and you put the reps up, you're going to get that confidence in and that confidence is going to help you be dialed in the, the people that are not confident is because they haven't done it before you know if, if like the first time that you guys started your podcast it was probably a little bit nerve wracking. You're trying to get everything ready together. Now you guys are comfortable because you've done it. You've put in the time. And so now, you know, you, you might not even like, I don't have really even have to prepare anymore for a podcast. I can speak with anybody uh, and interview them and it, it can go multiple different directions before I used to write it all down and make sure. But now you, I've been prepared. I put in the time to make sure that I, I feel comfortable with it. And anytime you can feel comfortable on anything, he's, he's done every single shot over and over uh even ray allen like you, back in um what finals was that that was what the 2012 finals 13, You're, not talking about the dagger. 13. You're not talking about the dagger
1: with the San Antonio Spurs, are you? You're talking I, about the I corner, am, corner. I am, three. I am, oh, I am. Dunking on the bench, do bring that back up. They go
2: ahead, go. The, no no rebounding, <laughs> wow. Manu misses his uh, free throw, but it, all the things happened. But anyway, he had practiced that over and over where he was kind of backpedaling, got into his hop and got into his rhythm and shot it. Um, so he put the preparation in. First and foremost, and if you don't have the preparation, you're never going to reach the goals that you want to get to. Like your input is going to equal your output at some point, and if you don't put the input in, there's no way you can get the output that you want to have.
0: Well, and Chris, I want to go with something here because you know a lot of times specialization is is really like pressured upon younger kids, right? But I think what we're talking about here is more of like practicing being prepared mm-hmm. and 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 doing other things when you're younger. What age would you suggest if you know you will really want to be great at one specific thing? When do you think that transition of like, okay, I really want to be a great basketball player? Cause I think, you know, too young, there's too many injuries over that kind of thing, but you can practice the the skill of preparation. Right. Um, and like you look at Steph Curry, whenever he was in college, like he was, you know, like, like the Jersey looked like he was you know wearing two XL. He was yeah. so skinny and scrawny, but he developed into his body in his twenties, you know? Yeah. So I think it's important for coaches and parents to understand like, Hey, give your kids a chance to grow, do other things, but you can practice that, that skillset of preparation, which will help you whenever you do want to specialize.
2: Right. Uh, I think after your freshman year is, is when you should probably take a look at, Hey, I have an opportunity to, uh, to play basketball or baseball or football or whatever the sport is. Um, you know using utilizing the other sports is going to help you as well like you said decrease the amount of injuries and wear and tear on your body secondly is going to um just keep your mind free i've seen so many kids that have only gone with basketball and it ends up you know, deflating them later on because they've they've been only focused on this, only focused on that. And you know, truth be told, when I was a younger coach, I would be the same way. I was like, wait, why are you playing volleyball right now? We got basketball. You know, we got AAU basketball right now, and these are kids that are gonna play college basketball. Um, one of the, one of the kids that uh, has been in, been on our program, he's, he's a senior right now. Actually, he just he just transferred, um, grad transfer, closer to uh, Monterey Bay in Division Two out here, but he spent his four years um, Division Two at Point Loma, and he was playing volleyball during the AAU basketball season. I'm like, why are you doing that? But when I look back on it, he was really helping himself because he can really jump out. He wasn't a great like a great fast guy, but he he could really jump. And that volleyball, that quick twitch, was really helping him with his basketball. And he knew he was going to play college basketball. I knew he was. Everybody knew he was going to play college basketball. But now he was able to really dunk with ease. He was, he was a great shooter. Um, but that really helped him. And, and that really shaped my mind. Cause this was back in 2016 when he graduated from high school. And I look back on that and be like, man, I should have been encouraging these kids to continue to play other sports because it, it ends up helping them. Like if you got the talent for a sport, like most of the time, you know, even at the age of, Obviously, people can grow and mature, but Steph was still good when he was in high school. It wasn't like he he was not good. Like, you can see the talent right there. And so if you can still do other things while still working on your basketball game, it's it's gonna end up working out for you. Like the kids that are that are meant to play, they're gonna end up playing regardless if they play football. Freshman football, their 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 first year, uh, but you can get a, a whole another level of experience. And uh, I think it's very important to to be a multi sport athlete. I mean, I played football, basketball, and baseball in high school, and I played that for well three of them, three of those sports for two two years, and then I stopped playing baseball and just focused on football and basketball. But um, yeah, I think it, it was extremely beneficial. And now I know about most most sports, like, because of that experience.
1: Yeah, and I think that, you know, what you're mentioning is when kids get to an age where they feel like, especially in high school or ninth grade, and they're maybe passionate about something, they know this is what they want to do. And going back to, like, Steph Curry, it's, I think you got to sit down. Some kids be like, I want to play in the NBA mm-hmm. or I want to play at Duke University or University of Kansas. Like, okay, all right. For your ninth grade, okay, you, you want to play and you're six foot two and that's what you're going to be or whatever. Okay, this is what you're going to have to do to get there. Right. Right. This is the work you have to put in. That's what you're talking about. Like, and Steph Curry knew he wanted to focus on basketball. That was his main focus. Yep. Even adjusting his shot, tweaking it totally in the ninth grade of adjusting you know, his release point and doing it. He knew that's what he wanted to do. Yep. So he's willing to put that time in. So mm-hmm. I think it comes to point is, is, is the goals you have, right? Are the habits on par with what you're doing today going to reach those? And you got to ask that yourself. And I think at that point, you know, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to get to. Now I got to spend some more time in this. And I do want to get into this part of it. I do agree, like the preparation of the reps that you got to put in and you hear so much more about the mindset now, Yeah. how the mind controls the body. Do you do any like mindset work? Is there any tips that you give to people that they should be doing to help them to stay confident, even when maybe they're missing some shots in games?
2: Yeah, we were, um, for, for our team last year, we had a, uh, we have a, a guy on campus. He is, um, He's got a master's in psychology and, and he's, he's, he's become, you know, the, our, our brain coach on campus. And uh, he was with us every single day in practice. And he would do these either 10 or 15 minute sessions, you know, before or after practice, he would watch the games. He would watch the body language. His name is Shea Coleman. He does a really fantastic job. And that really helped us with our overall confidence. Um, you know, just little team experiences, similar to what you guys do. Uh, with 40 athletes, but it was it was just more personalized because he was there all the time He was basically a coach. He was he sat on our bench and, and just kind of watched and, and And he would bring things to my attention that I wouldn't even I wouldn't even realize hey Did you see so-and-so come off the bench the way I think she she was a little down? Um, because of something that was said on the bench. I'm like, oh, man I didn't even realize that but you know training your mind is Is, is extremely important? because our mind is the one thing that will fail us when there's a pressure situation, you know, think of getting on the free throw line in a pressure situation. Great free throw shooters might, you know, might shrink in that moment. Uh, And especially now that the NBA playoffs are coming, I'm excited by the way, for that. Um, But these pressure moments, you need to be able to perform in pressure. And so all these, these, These individuals that are talking about mindfulness, understanding what your thoughts are, how they are affecting your output and putting, you know, positive things into your mind or neutral thoughts into your mind instead of the negative ones, uh, which is, which is the reason why we might not succeed. Like we, you know, I'm a confident person. You guys are confident people, but sometimes we doubt ourselves. You know, sometimes you got to get the, Sometimes I got to get up. Come on, Chris, you got this. You know, if I'm, if I'm working out or if I'm, you know, watching film, I'm like, man, I just don't understand what they're, you know, what how we should accomplish this. Come on, you got this, that, that positive self-talk. So, you know, the mindfulness is extremely important. I've, I've, I know you guys have had some mindfulness uh, instructors on, and that's something that I've been trying to learn more about and how we can help our athletes. But, you know, you talked about it. it's. It's extremely important. Now there's different apps that I've, I've sent out to some of the, some of our teams like, um, the calm app, which LeBron endorses, um, or there's just multiple meditation apps that have really helped me. I mean, I'll, I'll do a, If I got a five minute period, I'll do a five minute meditation just to calm my mind. So, you know, you can, it's, it's really weird. Like thinking about breathing, like it's super difficult to do, you know, your mind starts to wander and that's OK, too. But if you can really focus in, um, it'll really help you with your output on the court or in life, really.
1: Well, you go back to the thing about this. It's like we have that inner voice and I always talk about, it. you know, it's like they talk the monkey in the mind. But you almost have this angel voice and the devil voice like, for sure. oh, man, yeah, you, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get this and you can do it. You can. Oh, you can't do it. You're not any good. You're not smart. Enough. Who are you fooling? Like, no, no, no you can do this, you can do, no you, Oh, you stink, man. Yep. You're fooling yourself. Don't do don't, don't listen to that, that person. They don't know what to do. Like it goes back and forth, right? Yep. And even like you talk about like Kobe Bryant used to say the great one, he said that he didn't start a day until he meditated.
2: Mm-hmm. And he'd
1: almost meditate sometimes 30 minutes an hour. Like he would meditate and he would not start his day until his mind was right. Yeah, And you see the great ones. It's like physically, yeah, they might be, you know, built a certain way. They might have certain physical skill sets, sports specific they're really good at. But you see players all the time that could throw a ball from second to first base and they can't even throw it anymore. Catcher can't even throw it to the pitcher, right? Mm -hmm. The mind is now controlling the body. So, like, redirecting the mind is so important with it. And I do want to get into this before we start wrapping up a little bit is – with talking about all this kind of wrapping this up is, you know, you talk about success with your program in school and getting everybody kind of together, kind of one message, working together, love your care, but you have one thing I noticed you have all in Yeah, all in what I noticed throughout your stuff. What is all in and how do you, to me, what I perceive, how do you get everybody to be all in maybe for what they're going after?
2: Yeah. Uh, Thanks for the question. All in is a, is a, is a, is a, mentality, you know, you can, you can have one foot in. I mean, uh, I just took my son swimming and the water was super cold and he kept saying, daddy, how come you don't get all, get all the way in? This was this past weekend. And I'm like, all right, you're right. So I, so I, so I had to get in. And, uh, that's, that's really what, what, what we're talking about with all in. And, um, <clears throat> We say that in every one of our breaks, because if you're not all in, if you're not fully bought into the situation, it's not going to pan out for you as an individual and it's not going to pan out for our program. And our program is bigger than any individual. And if you're not all in, then you're out. Um, And it took a while to to get that 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 buzzword culture but uh it's it's just a work in progress, and it's how you how you bring it every single day and 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 being all in means you're fully committed it means you're and we have we have this whole you know write up that we go over, but it means you show up early it means you prepare yourself it means you you know care uh it means that you do all the things necessary to put yourself in a, a su- successful situation to win, and we're not going to win at all. Uh, all the time, but if you do these things, you're going to win more times than you don't. And if you win 75, Mark Few has won 82 percent of his games. He's never won a national title, but that man is super successful.
1: Now, so, is he the coach? Uh, is he the coach of Texas A and M? Gonzaga. Oh, of course, God's like, yeah. I'm
2: kidding. Now he's not a Texas A and M. No,
1: it's amazing what he's done there. Especially when you look back when. They kind of started that, and he stayed and had a vision, and they weren't like when he was an assistant going out of and doing it, and what they've created, what he's been able to create over the years is just unbelievable.
2: And it's amazing. And there's nobody that would, would say that he's not a success. He is overachieved, but he hasn't won the national title. That doesn't mean he's not a fantastic coach. Maybe one of the best coaches to ever do it. Period. He might. He's. He has had less talent and done more with less talent. And now, obviously, he's getting great talent because mm-hmm. he's been consistent. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> think about Tara Vanderveer. She hadn't won a ch- national title since 1992. <laughs> 1992 was the last time that she won a national title. And before that, before this year, she's only won two national titles. Well, she is an extremely she's she's won the won the most games in the history of women's college basketball. uh Gino is right up there as well, but uh when you when you talk about success, it's not about winning all the time. It's about doing the things necessary to put yourself in a, in a position to win and it doesn't mean that you're going to win. Those first two national championships, I believe, if I'm not mistaken and you guys can fact check me, she won by one possession. And sure. this past year, she won by one possession. Mm-hmm. Um Think about that. Like, that is crazy. Like, you have to get lucky. If that shot goes in this year, no. they lose. Didn't mean that they had a bad year. They just came up a little bit short. It was still a fantastic year. And same thing for Arizona. When they, you know, the shot could have could have gone up. It didn't.
1: Well, as you say, Chris, it's like it's a fine line between winning and losing. I tell people all the time. You know, I hit a game winner, you're all excited, and the other team's bumped out. That thing could have rolled out. Now you're disappointed, and they're excited. <laughs> But I like what you said with the all-in because I, I worked with a guy when I was in college and a coach, and what he used to do, is, it was kind of a little different, but he had this all-in mentality. Yeah. But he had a circle up, and we used to get like a chain, like we'd link together arms. I love And that. this is before practice, and he would get into kind of like the offensive defense emphasis, and he'd get into like reflection. But what he would do is the circle in the midcourt, you had the toe. Both feet had to be on that circle, had to be on the line in it. And what you represent inside the circle is everybody that's gone before you Mm -hmm. in this program. The sacrifice, they made what they did, and we're a part of this. And you're either in this or you're out. And that's kind of what you said. Now, I do want to ask you this, all in. You know what I know? Basketball seasons are long.
2: yeah,
1: And you have your ups (laughs) and downs. Right? It happens. So you're all in. Everybody's all in. Right? We're all in. Yep. What happens when somebody starts to get out? Like you see them starting to move out a little bit. What do you do as a coach to get them to get their mindset to change and start getting back in where they're all in?
2: It's just constant conversations, um, whether it be, you know, individually or as a team, you know, just communicating relationships are like that friendships are like that where you know things go just like this like you mentioned and so you know just conversations getting it out there in the open like let's not let's get the elephant out of the room if, if there's something that's going on let's approach it and 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 be be open-minded to hearing you know some 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 hard truths um but just getting out in the open like so many times where we don't want to confront these sort of things but you know you got to confront Anything that is going to hinder your team, hinder your organization, hinder your relationship, you know, some of the best things have come because of hard conversations. You know, diamonds. Uh, diamonds are made because of pressure, but also pressure burst pipes. And so, you know, you would rather be a diamond and go through that pressurized situation rather than the pipe busting because the pressure continues to build. Boom, 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 boom. And then it just combust. Um So I would say that that would be the, the biggest thing. Confront it head on. Like leaders always go to it. You know, go 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 in the direction that you need to go to, even if it's going to be harmful for you. You can get out on the other side. But if you're not willing to do that, you're not willing to. uh You know, if you're not willing to go through those difficult times, because everything's when everything is all good. Hey man, yeah. we're you know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's roses and. You can know, I jump on that horse? I want
1: to ride with you, man. <laughs> road, man. I don't ride that horse. Hey, Chris, you know this. If I tell coach all the time, if you don't nip it early. Yeah. Some people avoid it. Yeah. They avoid the conflict. I ah, I don't want to deal with it. And then it starts to it starts to boil like so it starts to get bigger and bigger and it'll bust. And you know this and I know it. Like it's about one bad apple, it'll spoil a whole bunch. It'll start to bring the other people down. And you almost if you can nip it, like you said earlier, and it might be a tough conversation you're having, but if we can get on the same page and be like, Okay, let's move forward in this direction, you're gonna be so much better off than letting it continue to go like kind of sweeping it on the rug and hopefully it goes away because it doesn't go away.
2: Yeah. I've I've had several d- different conversations with players, okay. whether it be, you know, with their parents, too. You got to get the parents on board. I mean, that's you got to let the parents know that this is a partnership. Look, we want the best for your, your son or daughter. We want the we really do. But we also have, you know, 12 individuals on this team that all have different different needs uh, and different and different wants individually but the the most important part in this all in piece you're going to have to be all in too and that and, and you're going to need every whether you're in an organization a school or you know just um wh- whatever it may be you need to get people on board and the way you do it is having those conversations
1: Hey, by the way, I, I don't want to dive into this because Jay's going to give me a stare down because I know we're in about the four Qs to wrap this up. Okay. that right there is a podcast on itself of all mm-hmm. of how to get the parents all in. Right, I mean that's the big thing, right? How you get the parents? Because if you get the parents all in and you get the players all in and administration, we're all in together. You know, all in, working together, like PJ, it's like rowing the boat together, right? Yeah. I didn't want to go down that, yeah. that's a podcast within itself, okay? Sure. But I want you to, Jason, getting your four Qs. Go ahead,
0: buddy. Hey, you know, yeah. we can always have a part two. You know, yeah. there's, there's no problem with that, yeah. a follow-up, you know. And,
2: and so. I will say this. Everybody everybody goes through the same thing, whether you're the one of the best teams in the country or, you know, you don't have you don't have much talent and your group isn't very good. Everybody's going through the same thing. Um and uh, it goes across the board it's not going to be easy for anybody no matter where your program is at no matter where your organization is at uh and you just have to 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 understand those challenging times that they will pass if you do the right things if you don't it's going to end up being a, a worse situation because you didn't attack it head on like you said jimmy
0: well yeah chris that's a you know great way to segue maybe into our four questions now so so we always end the every, day, every section with this it's four questions lightning around you know minute or less of uh, you know the questions we ask you so first question is this what is the best life lesson sports has taught you through your 38 years of on being on this earth
2: getting through hard things and overcoming you know, at the end of the day, that's what it's, that's really what it's all about. A lot of, a lot of the failures that I've had in my life, uh, the failures that I've had in sports has taught me how to get through certain things that I may not have been able to get through had I not gone through those hard times. And failing is going to be a part of your process, but, I'm not going to fail in life. And that is going to be, you know, something that I live by every single day. Uh, you can get through hard things if, uh, if you put your mind to it.
0: No, I like that, man. It's uh, you know, resiliency is, is key to success, you know, or that grit that you talk about there. Yep. Uh, second question is if you could spend time with anyone you admire in sports, either passed away or alive, who would it be? And why would you pick that person?
2: Yeah, uh, I would have to go. If, I'm, if we're talking about basketball, uh, I'd probably say John Wooden. Um, you know, he was so thoughtful. He, he was so prepared. He had some of the greatest teams. But everybody that talked about him never really just talked about basketball with him. It was it was beyond basketball. Uh, the relationships that he cultivated, even you know, tell his later days, I know that people would go over to his, his condo and visit with him and, and he would just share his experiences with other coaches. Uh, that would be somebody that I would really admire, uh, and be honored to spend the time with because, you know, he's just a legend and, 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 you know, if, if, if what we're, and he always talked about being a teacher, if we're really teachers and educators, um, you know, our goal is not to see them perform on the court, but to see them perform better as individuals because they were in our program or around our program. So, you know, I, I think that has been my calling is to help help people however I can, um, and I think getting some of the wisdom that that such a wise man had uh, would be beneficial to me helping others.
1: I think it's amazing when you think of John Wooden too. The stories, of course, you know, high character. But like when talking about like Bill Walton, where he's like, hey, you know, you can't have any beard, no facial hair whatsoever. And then, you know, you know how Bill was free spirit. He's going to be his own guy. And he's like walking into practice without it. And he's basically telling yeah, I don't think I should, you know, shave, whatever it is. And he goes, well, we're sure going to miss you this year, you know, Bill. <laughs> and he's like, he went down and shaved and came right back to practice. But, you know, when you think about like, an all-american somebody as good as like a bill walton that's the best of the best on that team Mm -hmm. that can help you win a national championship if you're like hey well hopefully have a good year you know we'll we'll kind of move on without you and i think to me that shows me a lot as a coach like you know again one player doesn't make our program right when you Mm -hmm. talk about that so now here's the third question for you is
2: i want to add something real quick uh so raymond townsend was my high school basketball coach he played at ucla under john wooden and he would he would teach us how to put our socks on like he, he mm-hmm. got us all these socks and we're like and we, this is back in the day i was telling my wife things are so weird now because you know kids want to wear high shorts we wanted to wear past our knee yeah and we, we used to wear no show socks so our socks would yeah. like we would almost fold them under what, so we yeah. could see all of our leg and no mm-hmm. socks and we were so upset when Raymond came in. It was like, no, you guys are wearing these socks, and this is how you're going to put them on. And we're like, and we tried to inch them down, and he would be, he would, he would be okay. Well, you don't have to play either. Uh, and that was the same. That was the same way. And, and Did he uh,
1: spend like because the, they talk about wood, and you spend like 30 minutes to an hour, like just showing them how to put your socks on the double socks and yeah. make sure there's no crease in it because you don't want to make sure you get any blisters because the feet are so important to be able to play. Did exactly. he go into like that type of stuff? That, that oh that? yeah.
2: Oh yeah, and, and, and I remember it vividly because we we just didn't understand. Now that you look back on it, you understand a little bit more. Um, but I, I appreciate having those experiences because, you know, uh, indirectly, I was being taught a lot of those philosophies outside of the UCLA cuts. Um, mm-hmm. It was just those those philosophies that were embedded in him for playing there for four years, and he was in and he and I played in his club program when I was young, um, at Raymond's program. I grew up with that. And, and a lot of the things that the reason why I have a, he used to have the RT development league. And that's the reason why I wanted to start top flight because I was like, Oh, this is something that I think I could do. I would really enjoy doing this. So um, Well, like you
1: said, it's, it's all in the details, right? And that's part of the details of explaining. Now this flows in perfectly in the third question. What's the best advice you've ever received from a coach you played for or work for what's what's the best advice
2: keep it simple stupid
1: <laughs> that method.
2: yeah uh just keep it simple when i first got in um i wanted to show everybody how, how good of a coach i was and how smart i was and I, and I had 50 50 different offensive sets and now that i look now now we have five you know we we can just try to get really good at those and um just everything. I just, just try to be more efficient. You know, tr- sometimes I would spend so much time practice planning. Now I have every single one of our drills on a spreadsheet. All right, cool. What do we want to work on today? Transition, defense, offense, uh, disadvantage situations. Boom! And now we can just drag it and drop it into the spreadsheet. So just efficiency and just keeping keeping things very simple um, instead of being so complicated. And there's times that you can get complicated, but. It, it, it doesn't end up working out for you a lot of the time. So
1: Well, as you talk about that, as you mentioned, like you teach them how to play, not remembering a bunch of plays. And when they're trying to remember a bunch of plays, sometimes they freeze up, can't play free, you know, that type of stuff. And then, mm-hmm. of course, you know, like you can be more efficient with your practices and teach them really how to play and practice and simulate in game situations. So yep. um, the last question is this. If you had one life skill or character trait, that you could have in a person that you're going to have play for you on your team or coach in your organization or work for you. And you had one character trait or life skill. What would it be?
2: Being a good person. You know, if you, if you're a good person, things just, your life is just so much better. If you're, if you're honest, if you're, if you're helpful, being a servant leader, uh, those things, but overall being a good person, like I was telling our team yesterday there was a, a young lady that used to play for us um, when I first started and <clears throat> she was an all league player she was undersized she would have went, went division one she ended up playing division two basketball and had a, a really great career but she the, it's always been a freshman's job if they're on varsity or underclassman's job to take in the balls and you know put the score clock away all of that. She never allowed them to do it. She she did it every single day. No, I got it. I'm going to stick around and shoot a little bit. I'll take care of it all. And you just don't find those qualities in people willing to do things that other people wouldn't. Like if it's sweeping the floor, you know, just being selfless. So being a good person is is the ultimate. And once you do that, a lot of other things open up for you.
1: The crazy thing about it, I asked, I asked Jason to do my laundry the other day. He wouldn't do it. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Chris, maybe if you talk to him, he might have been like, you know, helping me out a little bit here. That's certainly. Hey, I'll, uh, I'll no, midnight. Older, I know I look younger, but I, I'm, I am actually older than
0: Jason, okay? <laughs> that is true. Just barely, though. Just barely. Yeah.
2: Older uh, and, b- um, and better looking, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, definitely more polished, if you know what I mean.
1: Eyes of the beholder, right? Yeah, there you go. Mr. Clean, here, here, ready to go. I've
2: seen uh, the, I've seen the way you guys go back and forth on your, uh, on your online platform, and I, I really love it. So you guys, have a, you guys have a really great relationship and, a, and, a, and something really great going on, um, and you guys just bring so many, so much value to, uh, to all your listeners, and I, I just can't thank you guys enough.
0: Well, Chris, Not man, personally. thank you for. Yeah, coming on today, um, you know, how can people get a hold of you and find out your podcast? I know it's, I mean, it's a great show. I've listened to it multiple times and gotten so much from it. Now, where can they find you on, you know, social media, internet, you know, you name it.
2: Instagram and Twitter, Chris underscore underscore McSwain, M-C-S-W-I-N. LinkedIn, I love that. that I think that's where we met, Jason. Um, yeah. And... Uh, Chris dash McSwain.com is is where you can find everything else beyond the buckets podcast on all platforms. And you will see Jason this coming Monday.
1: (laughs) All right. I really, I really like your website. I definitely recommend people go to, like I said, Chris C R C H R I S and then the hyphen, right? Yep. Dash M C S W A I N.com. But it's really nice website and has all your stuff up there. It's really good.
2: Thank you. I didn't do it. Uh, one of the, one of well, the person who does all the, my social media, uh, Amanda, shout out Amanda. She went to, she played basketball at Oregon um, and doing really great things in L.A. with uh, social media and content and all of that. She's great. Awesome.
0: Well, you know, as you said, outsourcing things you're not good at, right? That's a perfect example, right? There you go. Yeah, uh, sure. Well, Chris, man, hey, enjoy your Wednesday, um, and we will definitely talk to you soon, uh, my man. Appreciate you coming on.
1: Thanks, Chris. Have a great day. My pleasure. Have a lot,
0: buddy. Well, Jimmy, before COVID started, there was about 160,000 kids staying at home because they were being bullied on a daily basis. You know, what if they found 40 athletes and they were helping, or even any life skills program, or a coach like Chris to help them with their confidence? You know, wouldn't their life be, you know, at least somewhat better to help at least handle these adverse situations?
1: Yeah, and then be able to manage the emotions, understanding your emotions, where they come from, and how you can use your mind to be able to, you know, persevere, get through these, you know, some of these challenging times of what you see, it'd definitely be beneficial and helpful.
0: Yeah. You know, so what I would suggest people do is go to 4dathletes.com, four letter D athletes.com. And even just book a discovery call, just check us out and we can send you demo links. So you can even see exactly what we're doing to transform a hundred million lives by 2030. Jim, you know, Hey, another, uh, you know, great guest we had on today, you know, somebody who is, uh, doing things for the right reason and it's always appreciated when people that come on and share such value like Chris did today.
1: No, I enjoyed it. Always enjoy having people like that on and speaking to you as well. I enjoy the conversation. So, and by the way, go out and have a great, great day. Yeah. And look forward to talking soon. Be all in, man. Right? That's what Chris talked about. All in. Two feet in. in. Let's go. Two feet in. Two hands in. Two eyes in. Let's go. All
0: right, man. Well, have a good day, Jimmy. All right. Take care. Thanks, Chase.